Welcome to another episode. Sorry if I like mess up my words right now. It's like five in the morning and I'm recording this. So this is like take eight, but and I'm going to keep this really short so that I don't continue to mess up. Um, I'm going to also just want to get to the episode with Vanessa, who is so awesome and just probably the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my entire life really just is not fair she but she's also an amazing human and really kind and generous and so it's more not fair but anyways uh before i jump into the episode i wanted to talk about one of my sponsors which is sakara um as you guys know i've well now actually it's i feel like every week i like add something new in my life sakara related so first i did their three-day program then I got their metabolism super powder and now I have their probiotic and I'm a huge fan of all three. I actually like had to sample the probiotic first and then I was like, oh, it's actually really, like I really am um, a fan. So I ended up buying it anyway. Um, and I was like torn between doing this like subscription, this popular subscription probiotic thing. And then I was like, well, I might as well like try Sakara's and I ended up liking it better. So Big fan of that if you're in the market for probiotic. Um, also, just big fan of their food for general. So, if any of these sound appealing, you can go to sakara.com and use the code. <clears throat> sorry, again, early. XO Zoe at checkout. So, that's XO Zoe. And you're going to get 20% off your order, which is huge because it's pricey. But you're getting what you paid for. Anyways, without further ado, here is Vanessa. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I am so excited and honored to be here with Vanessa Grimaldi, who is the founder of No Better You and was the winner of season 21 of The Bachelor. <laughs> I love that intro. And it's so weird. Sometimes I forget that I was on The Bachelor because it's what, what that was 2017. So that's four years ago. I'm really not good at math. Feels like a lifetime ago. Like, yeah, especially with this pandemic, it's like. I can't remember anything past a week ago. <laughs> yeah, it's and especially when you're filming, when you're on the show, a week feels like a month. And I was on for two months, a little bit over two months, I think. And it felt like an eternity. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. You were on it for like the longest you could possibly be on, be on the show. So that checks out. Um, but rewinding, I, if you could just start off by telling me a little bit about yourself, where are you from? How old are you? What's your story? Ooh. Okay. So I'm actually celebrating my birthday next. I don't know when the episode's coming out, but my birthday's on September 30th. So oh, I'll be 33. Yeah. I'll be 33 years old. When I was on the bachelor, I was 29, 28. I was 28 and I turned 29 while we were filming um born and raised in montreal quebec 
So it's a French speaking city, but I grew up speaking English, French, and Italian. I was a special education teacher before going on the show. And ever since then, I started a nonprofit called No Better You, which helps special education programs. And what we do is we fundraise uh, to create and help schools build sensory rooms in whatever space they have in their school. That's amazing. And I will definitely ask you about that because um, I, I looked a little into Know Better You and I'm, I'm really excited to hear the story behind it. So I have to ask because I, I love astrology. So you're a Libra? Yes. Okay. I, I just like have that. I, honestly, I don't know much about Libras. We're, I'm so not balanced. I'm just, you know, <laughs> Libra sign is uh, on a scale and I'm like, we totally tipped over on one side all the time. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't really dig into what Libra sign is. Do you know, do you know a lot about it? I wish I did. Um, I know that there's like the whole chart. So it's only one part of you, but I, I do know that Libras tend to have like a lot of friends and be just have like kind of no bad energy with people. Um, I'm a Virgo. My birthday was actually Monday. Oh my so God, I'm I- surrounded by Virgos. My brother is on his birthday's on the 7th of September. My sister's the 8th of September. Oh, wow. My, my uh, nephew's in, in August. My mom's boyfriend is in September. My so many, there's at least 10 people in my family that are born in September. So a lot of people got busy around Christmas time. Yep. And I definitely identify with like Virgo. So that's probably part of the reason I, I believe in it so much. I find Virgos have a tough character. I'm just so type A. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like critical, of self-critical mostly, but working on it. So you mentioned that before going on The Bachelor, you worked in special education. Um, so were you a teacher at the time? And how did you get involved? Like what and also what prompted your interest? Um, so here in Quebec, you finish elementary school in grade six and then you go to high school, which is secondary one to five. So grade seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. And then you go to pre-university for two years and then university for three or four. And when I was in uh, grade seven, eight, nine, grade 10, uh, that's a year before you graduate high school, you have to decide what pre-university program you're gonna get into. Like who knows what pre-university program, like I still am trying to figure my life out at 33. But my mom was a teacher and my brother's eight years younger. When he was born, I transformed his playroom into kind of like a daycare slash classroom. And I started teaching him the minute he was able to start walking. And we started counting the minute he was able to speak. And I just loved guiding him and being able to teach him um, things that I knew. And so when I was in sec four, I decided, I don't honestly, I don't even remember what it was, but I wanted, I knew I wanted to go into special education. I don't have anyone in my friends or family that is in spec ed, but there was something that drew me towards the program. And I went to uh, shadow a teacher who ended up being, when I walked into her classroom, I was like, whoa, this is so strange. She was my math tutor back in grade seven. And she was, she was a teacher that I was shadowing for the day. And at the time it was the Mackay Center. 
which is um, a center that is for special education, incredible center in Montreal. Then I decided for some reason, the competitive side of me was like, I want to go into a program where only 50 people get accepted. And so I switched into another program, which was public affairs. I, it was like PR for the government. I like, I am so not political, but I ended up getting into the program. And while I was in that program, I was teaching English as a second language to immigrant students in Montreal. And I just fell in love with teaching all over again and went back to university when I was 25 and got my teaching degree at 25 and started teaching special education from there. And it just, everything just happened. You know, I think when you know what you want in life, things just align for you. And I knew I wanted to go into education. And at the time, um, anyone that's starting off as a teacher knows how hard it is to get an, a permanent position because you're starting to substitute at the beginning. And that's what I did. There was a teacher who went on paternity leave and he was a teacher in the special education program at a school I was originally teaching at and I substituted for him and the year after I got a full-time position and then the year after I went on the show. Wow. That's amazing. And it's, it's really cool to see that, you know, you were always drawn to that type of like leadership and mentorship because of, I feel like that's kind of rare. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of people I know who went into like teach for America uh, after school, but it's a two-year program and a lot of people just do it to get their master's and then like have it on their resume. But it's really nice to hear like how draw, like how much it stuck with you and obviously, you know, even now. Oh yeah. And it came full, it came back full circle. So when I was a young kid, I remember I would sit in front of the TV and watch World Vision um, infomercials and just cry myself like for days and my father had to switch the the channel so i'm like it's not fair like how is it possible that these kids are suffering and we need to adopt all of them and i had promised myself one day when i make enough money i would sponsor a kid with world vision and i think basically the moral of the story is set your intentions and when you when you know specifically what your intentions are and what you want it'll happen. The universe yep. will find a way to provide it. It'll happen. And I was going to shop one day and I went to the mall and there was a little kiosk with a ton of pictures of kids from World Vision. And that, this is the first time I had ever seen it in like a little town in Montreal in St. Leonard where I grew up. And uh, so I started reading some of their biographies and I fell in love with this little girl uh, from Cambodia. And it was at the time it was $40 a month. I was working part-time I wasn't making that much money, but I was like, you know what? I can save $40 a month and it's going to go to this little girl in Cambodia. And I did that for six years uh, until I went back to university and it was full time and I couldn't work for that year. So I had to stop. And the minute I stopped, I said, I'm going to do something greater than just help one child. And my goal was to have my own nonprofit. I didn't know what exactly I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to have my own nonprofit. And then the show happened and I have this large audience and my students that I was teaching before the show were on my hometown date and they absolutely adored being on TV. And I got so many amazing messages from parents in the community and I started the nonprofit from there. So it, it all followed along from the minute 
my brother was born. So basically since I was eight years old, I knew I wanted to be a teacher and have and make a greater impact. I love that. It's like complete manifestation, but I'm a, I'm a firm believer in like that and the law of attraction and, and stuff like that. So what made you want to pause all of these things in your life and go on the bachelor and like how did you audition like how did that just insert itself in your life I I'm I'm someone that doesn't watch tv and I shouldn't Mm -hmm. say that because I was on tv (laughs) but I haven't had a tv well now we have I I moved in with my fiance and we have a tv but I hadn't had a tv in seven years and so I didn't really watch the show I knew of the bachelor I knew what the premise of the show was and I kept telling myself why would anyone go on the show? Like you could find any, you could just go on a date with anyone, a blind date, like know someone that would know someone and you go off on a date with them. And it just wasn't happening for me. And, and my friend had told me one day, Oh, it'd be amazing if you go on the show. I said, never in my life. (laughs) And this is why we should never use the word. Never. I said, I would never do the show. And one day my best friend who, um, I was going on a trip with, had asked me for my heights and some random information about me. And I thought it was odd, but then I thought maybe she's surprising me with, I don't know, like a Disney trip while we're in LA or <laughs> couldn't figure it out. A couple of days later, I get a call from casting on The Bachelor. And I thought this was a joke because a lot of, you know, we prank each other a lot. So I thought it was a joke. And so I called my friend and I said, haha, like, who did you make? Who did you like encourage to call me? She's like, oh my God, I can't believe they called you. I submitted your photo and I don't even know what the submission form looks like. I don't even know what it looks like to sign up for the show. So she signed me up and um, they had asked me to go and audition in New York because I'm in Montreal. New York was the closest casting. I was teaching at the time and if I took a day off of work, I wasn't going to get paid. So as a teacher, like you're not making that much money. So I didn't have time or money to travel to New York, get a hotel, you know, and I asked them if they were going to pay for my flight and they're like, no. And so I said, (laughs) okay, well, thanks for the offer, but I, I just, I don't have the resources to come. And, um, we ended up going to LA and they figured out that I was in LA and they called and they said, We'd love to meet you in person at our office. And so I wanted to bring my best friend who is a huge fan of the franchise. So I was like, I'm going to bring you, I'm going to get you a bachelor t-shirt, a tote bag. Like (laughs) maybe producers are going to be there. She was super excited. And then, yeah, they're like, yeah, we want you part of the show. And this was in the summer. So at that point, I think they had already had their full cast of women because we start filming in September. Oh, so it was right before. But I always feel like they have one or two Canadians and maybe not enough Canadians signed up for that season or I don't know. I was like the the Canadian. There was me and Haley who were the two Canadians of that season. Yeah, and they definitely um, like chose correctly, I guess. Because you, you did win. <laughs> did. And so going into it, I mean, you had never watched the show. So you hadn't seen Nick on any of the seasons? So I knew of certain cast members of the show because my friends always spoke about the show. Um, And then once I got the full document sent to me that I needed to read and sign, I was like, might as well just do some form of research to see what the, like how I have to, you know, what the show is about. 
And so I, um, I, I think I watched, I don't remember which season I watched. I watched on and off, like just like one episode here, one episode there. And I thought, wow, this guy, Nick is really cute, but I didn't know what his story was. I didn't know he was on Andy's season and Caitlin's. And I, I knew that he was on Bachelor in Paradise at the time. Cause that's when I was, um, cast. That's when they casted me for the show. Yeah. So yeah. I told my best friend, Oh my God, it'd be so amazing if this guy, Nick is a bachelor. She's like, wow, you know, nothing about this franchise. There's no way they're going to pick Nick as a bachelor. He was on Caitlyn season, Andy season on bachelor in paradise. Like he's done. And I was like, okay, well, how does it work? And she's like, you have to, you know, who would you want from Jojo season? Cause that was the last bachelorette before they aired the bachelor. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't even know what their names were. So in the interview, I was like, Chad, but I meant Chase. <laughs> Anyways, it was a whole disaster. And then they ended up casting Nick as a bastard. I was like, I told you. I freaking told you. Another manifestation. <laughs> I need to like, yeah, I need to like do what you're doing in life. <laughs> so you go in and it's the guy that you were hoping, but like, I'm assuming that you kind of went in as like, okay, well, might as well go. I'm already like signed up and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, did you have any expectations? I didn't have any expectations because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't know the magnitude of the show. I didn't realize I was going to get followers from it. It was really super scary at the beginning because I had maybe 150 people that were following me. Um, and the people that were following me are the people I, I knew some people I didn't really know, but it was really interesting to see the amount of people who were interested in following me now, just because I was on a TV show. Um, yeah, it was, wait, what was the question again? Cause I went off. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, did you go in with any expectations whether to be? Yeah. No, my grandfather had died. Um, like maybe a couple weeks before I was, I was sent off for the show. And at that point I didn't want to go cause it was just really hard on my family. And my family was like, you know what? You never do anything for yourself. Might as well just go and enjoy the experience and whatever, just go in without any expectations. I think my family was a little bit concerned cause I am someone that does fall fast for people that I meet. So they were afraid that I was going to fall fast and it wasn't going to lead anywhere. Um, so that was their concern, but I went in with no expectations. I, I was just hoping for the best. I was kind of, I was expecting the worst and hoping for the best. And I remember night one, I was ready to go home cause I didn't think he was going to notice me. I'm like, like whatever I'm wearing. I looked like it's so funny cause night one I was wearing this black and white dress which I thought looked like the Julia Roberts dress. And then there was a meme saying that I look like Spider-Man because it was black and white with white lines. So I was like, he was never going to notice a spider woman. And he did. Yeah, he, de- he definitely did. And so moving on, I mean, because like, especially your season, I feel like was one of the more dramatic ones in terms of the stuff going on behind the scenes. Or at least, I mean, it was televised, but... <laughs> less so directly with Nick um and that kind of connects me to I'm not sure if you've ever read Amy Kaufman's book um it's it's like I forget what it's called Bachelor Nation it's like an expose on the Bachelor and the franchise and it just talks a lot about the production and some 
parts of like the manipulation that is, you know, done for whether it be um, ratings or drama or suspense. Um, and I just find that connection between what's done it with production and how the mental health of contestants are affected. Um, so I was wondering if you like what your experience was like on the show, um, especially being like a runner up or not a runner up, sorry, a front runner. Um, I will say, so when people talk about manipulation of the producers and blah, 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 you know, you're going on a TV show. Now looking back, I'm like, I was on a TV show. Like, of course, like they're going to have the TV show's best interest over mine. I mean, I know they had my best interest um, and I know that, but of course they have a TV show to run. Right. So they're not always Mm -hmm. thinking of Vanessa's or top priority in my head. I'm like, well, I need to be a priority because like I'm freaking out. Um, One thing I will say about the show and that I'm so grateful for is they introduced me to therapy. So on my season, they had this incredible therapist that helped me through filming of my season, helped me through my relationship with Nick, helped me through my breakup with Nick. And then I also saw, uh, well, virtually, because she's in LA, I um, sat in on a few sessions with her and my current fiance. So I come from an Italian family where our therapy is talking to our family and like screaming it out, crying it out, and then figuring it out. And therapy was never something that we ever thought was necessary or we didn't do. Um, So going on the show, that was the one thing, the biggest takeaway for me whenever anyone asks is as much as it was a complete wild and it still is a roller coaster, I am grateful that they had a therapist that had our back and introduced me to taking care of my mental health. That's so interesting. I didn't realize. So is it like a a therapist that follows you guys around and is open to speak with anyone at any point? Yes. So she traveled with us. um, And even when I was in Finland, when we got engaged, we uh, spoke to the therapist after we got engaged. So she was there from day one until the very end and would check in on me after the show was done filming and in between when they're, uh, while the show was airing and after we were done filming. And um, it was something that I, is incredibly necessary when you're doing something like a reality TV show. Oh, yes, 100%. It's, it's interesting because I, I have a lot of reality TV show guests on my podcast. Um, part of it is because I think there's like a difference between being on something like try to think of an example like I had Hannah Burner who's on Bravo's Summer House which is basically like Jersey Shore but in the Hamptons and their therapy is you know talking it out in uh what are they called like ITM yeah in the moment yeah. interviews yeah in and because they bring up the drama it forces both like women and men to confront it right then rather than just like bottling it in whereas it's a little more individual in in the bachelor world because 
you're either, you know, maybe you're talking to a friend about it, but then that's going to be used as just more gossip and it's like a vicious cycle. Um, so I do think it's interesting. And, and I mean, I very much appreciate that they have a therapist. I feel like that's more than necessary. Um, and I also, so I'm curious because I know that you are really close with Taylor Nolan, who was also on their season and is also a therapist. Did like, were you close with her on the show? Um, and like, how did, did that, did the passion for mental health, like, was that part of the reason? So Taylor and I, and it's so funny when you look back to our season, they, the limo entrance. So night one, when you walk out of the limo, it wasn't aired the way it actually happened. Taylor and Mm -hmm. I were in the same limo. So it was me and Taylor, um, Angela, Raven. Um, and I think that was it. I hope I'm, oh, and Corinne. So Corinne was the first one that walked out and then Taylor and I, uh, and Angela and Raven were, um, in the limo. And so she was in the limo with me. And then when you walk into the mansion, you're sleeping in bunk beds and they put your name on the bunk and Taylor was on the bottom bunk. I was on the top bunk. Oh, wow. And Danielle Malpe was in our room as well. And we all, we all three, all three of us got really close and, um, yeah, I think it was, you know, our passion for helping others um, bonded us. But then we have so many, it's so funny because we're very different, but very similar. So the parts that we're very different on, I, it still makes us a lot closer because it makes me appreciate the way she thinks or the way she does things that are different from me. And my relationship with her helped me grow in a way that didn't make me view life in black and white. Cause I was very black and white before going on the show. Mike, it's like this or like that, there's no in between. And in my therapy sessions, that's something that we still talk about. I'll either catastrophize a, a situation or it'll be nothing to everything. And so Taylor has helped me throughout the years talk about like swimming in the gray areas and feeling the feelings of like, you know, stop thinking of what if could happen and being present. So. She has been a godsend. I love her so much. Um, And I I say this over and over again, we don't live in the same country or the same city, but yet she is my friend that is the closest to my fiance. And it's just an incredible friendship that they have. And I love it. Yeah. I I actually, her podcast was one of the first I started listening to when I got into podcasts, Um, but because of the, you know, connection to mental health and also, I know that she was a Hopkins alumni for grad school and I, I went to Hopkins undergrad. So there's like, I was like, I remember when she went on and she was talking about it and that we were still in college and I remember my friends and I being like, let's go. <laughs> the pride kicked in. Represent. Hi guys. Really, really quick interruption to talk about therapy. Always necessary to talk about. Vanessa even mentions how, all things the bachelor opened her eyes to therapy which is ironic but i guess also not ironic because it would probably stress me out being on that show so um anyways i use better help which i've again talked about all the time but i cannot stress how much i love it i really was not expecting to love better help this much and love my counselor this much, but I do because she's amazing and she's helped me so much. So if you are interested in therapy, please try BetterHelp. 
like I promise you won't regret it. It's so it's such a genius idea. It's like therapy on band. It is like the Uber of therapies. It's so great. Cause like don't have any lawsuits against them. It's so good. So please just go to trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe. Get 10% off. Literally try a month. If you're not finding like more self-awareness, I tried, you know, but give it a try. Like if you are looking for, I mean, unless you have an amazing therapist who you're already working with, power to you. I'm glad you're using therapy to begin with. But if you are not, I promise you, you will never regret trying therapy. Trybetterhelp.com. That's like trybetterhelp.com, all one word, or betterhelp.com slash Zoe, Z-O-E, 10% off your order. Okay, back to the episode. Um, And then, so I guess in the similar vein, like when you left, actually, sorry, first I want to know because as someone who watched your season, I knew from like day one that you were going to be picked. I, yes. Is it really that they like, because sometimes there's music that they put when, you know, when I walked out of the limo, it was softer and slower. uh, Maybe that made you think that because I had, up until I was, up until he proposed, I had no idea he was picking me. That's crazy. I, I saw it maybe because I like, am such a religious bachelor watcher and I had seen the type of women he was attracted to previously and like brunettes who are very like independent and um, like intelligent and speak their minds. So that's what made me be like, there's just no question. Did other people feel the same? Like did, did everyone else like kind of just know or do you think that like, yeah. Do you ever feel like you had a target on your back? Um, I don't know if I had a target on my back. I think I was very much in my head. So mm-hmm. I felt like I had a target on my back, but it could have been all in my head. Um, I was the most insecure I've ever been on the show. So walking in with one tiny insecurity, it gets blown up to a whole other level. And, um, yeah, it's a very isolating feeling, not being able to call your family or your friends for advice and have, having to relate on women in the house that are competing for the same guy. Yeah, it was yeah. really interesting because, you know, Danielle Maltby made it till the last, um, I think it was the last six, if I'm not mistaken, when we were in Bim- Bimini, she was sent home and I was completely surprised. I really thought, you know, I don't, I guess, cause like I loved her so much. I'm like, how does he not see what I see in her? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it, yeah, it's just a very, it's a very tough situation to be in because you're a ton of women who, um, you know, especially towards the end, we're all very, um, strong and passionate women. And, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's an awkward position to be in. And, you know, you look back a couple of years, after it happened and we're all friends now and we all talk through things and um you know everyone's situation was different but the same but we all understood where we were coming from at the time you couldn't because you're in your own head and yeah it's an interesting definitely unique (laughs) and then afterwards like when it was all over and you were engaged and then the relationship ended 
like how did your like fans and or Knicks fans react? Like, did you ever experience, you know, internet hate or? Absolutely. I still do. Um, I mean, not, so let me backtrack. So when I came off of the show, I always feel like the winner of this, of the season gets more hate than the runner up because the runner up yeah. we feel bad for, and, um, you know, they're, amazing women. Um, but the winner already won something. So we don't have to give her as much attention or yada, yada, yada versus the, the runner up. And so I, at the time was focusing on a lot of the negative comments and I wasn't the only one doing that. I remember my friends going through my posts and reading the comments and scrolling up until they found a negative comment. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's what I do. I scroll until I find something negative and then I focus in on it and then I hate myself for it. And then I question my identity and I question my self-worth and I had to stop them from doing it because they were getting upset over that one, one or two comments that people were posting. Um, so yeah, it was really hard at the beginning because like I said, before coming on the show, I had very few followers and then I had a, a whole amount of followers that were not friends of mine from around the world who didn't know me, but were judging me based on a TV show and the TV show portrayed a one dimensional version of you. So they only got to see parts of me that are me, but there's a whole other, there's whole, there's all a ton of other areas that they didn't really get to focus in on. Um, so it was, it was difficult. I mean, it's still difficult. Anyone who experiences hate internet hate, um, or in person, you know, like even yesterday I was driving, this guy was like mad at me because I was like blocking his parking spot. And I'm like, ah, negative energy is so toxic. Like I was having such a great day. So same thing applies to anyone that's listening and ex is experiencing people who are just mean, you know, it's, they need to work on themselves before they start commenting on other people. And that's what I had to realize. Like, it's not like, yeah, I'm not perfect. There's a lot, I have a shit ton of flaws, but, um, some, sometimes people are commenting on things that don't make sense. Yeah, it's complete projection. I mean, I literally yesterday I was I was walking a dog and this woman, I don't even really know like why she started yelling at me because I was just walking a dog and she just like turns and starts screaming at me and like cursing me out. And I just like had to take a deep breath and be like, she's probably had a bad morning. <laughs> like it's not, it's. It's just, if I need to be your punching board, like, go go at it <laughs> for two seconds. But Sometimes I totally let it go. And other times I put my foot down. And I'm like, listen, I'm not, like, don't be a dick. Yeah. What did I do to you? Don't be a dick. Yeah. It's, I can't even imagine with that type of, um, like, audience and just having to really, you know, perfectly choose every single post every single thing just yeah I, I think at the beginning I was really focusing on doing that and making sure that I please my audience and now I'm like I mean after Nick and I broke up I lost like 200,000 followers and I, I at that point I was like oh, what you don't want to follow me but then I realize those aren't the followers that I want. I want people yeah, exactly. who want to be following me and like, like the genuine Vanessa, not the Vanessa that was only with Nick. So a lot of self-talk. <laughs> no, it's, I feel like it's been so long that 
whoever's following you just probably more cares about what you're doing outside of The Bachelor, which leads me to my next question, which is, um, I re- well, I know that you recently made like a professional pivot um, from having your own podcast or like a co-hosting a podcast and then focusing on your nonprofit, which is so admirable because it's something I really trying to do, like make a pivot to focus on my passion. Um, so I was hoping you could tell me about no better you, um, what you do and yeah, just more about your organization. So this message is for anyone that's listening that needs that boost to pursue what makes them happy. I'm someone that feels things. If I'm in a position where I don't feel safe or comfortable, my body reacts to it. I'll get migraines, I'll get back pains, I'll get stomach pains that leads to diarrhea. So it's all psychosomatic. And at that point, that's what I was feeling whenever I was podcasting. It just didn't make sense for my life with with what I had planned um, for that year. And as much as I love Dean and I love Jared and I love the whole team when I was uh, podcasting with them, it just wasn't aligning with what I wanted to achieve. And I made the decision and it was a really hard one because I was so grateful to the producer who had asked me to be on the podcast. Um, And I kind of felt like I was letting them down. I think I was overthinking it because they're doing just fine without me. But I did, I did feel like I was saying goodbye to a family, you know, and at the same time, I have to think of what does Vanessa want. And I really wanted to focus on my nonprofit because coming off of the show, the first year we did a fundraiser, I raised $50,000. We helped out three schools in Montreal open sensory rooms. And then the second year I was um, not doing great mentally. And so I put that on hold because I don't get paid for my nonprofit. So it's all volunteer work. And it was taking up a lot of my time. So I put that on hold. I was like, you know, we helped out three schools. And then the year after, um, I went on Fear Factor. I won $50,000 for the nonprofit. And then the year after, I won $25,000 for the nonprofit. So that's been like my, my way of fundraising money because I suck. Whenever people, whenever people are like, can I donate? I was like, mm, I, yes. Like I can't say yes because it makes me feel awkward that people are donating money that their hard earned income. So I am really good at winning money for the nonprofit. And um, that year I was like, you know what? Like there's so much happening. We're getting so many emails, amazing feedback. I really need to have carbon time specifically for my nonprofit. And I'm not getting paid for that. I mean, I was getting paid for my podcast and I had to look at my numbers and look at my income and see if that made sense. And I was living alone at the time. And, um, it's, it was an amazing decision. I mean, this year we helped out 70 families in Montreal. So since COVID hit all the schools and camps were shut down and we put $10,000 towards creating at home sensory kits. Cause what we do is we build sensory rooms for schools, but since they were closed, we, um, package sensory kits to families. We helped oh, out, wow. um, uh, Ganawagi in Montreal, which is an indigenous reserve. And we're looking into hopefully helping out a school there and opening up a sensory room there. And there's a ton of other projects that are coming up as well. We're opening up a school, uh, a sensory room in Toronto with the $25,000 that we won um, last year. And it's just been amazing. I mean, I think if you, for me, I needed to 
look at what was missing in my life. I'm very visual. So I needed structure. When I was teaching, I knew I was waking up at a specific time. I had a lunchbox. I was coming home at four and between four and 11 PM, I had free time to go shopping, to go to the gym, whatever. Since I've been working from home and like many of us since COVID have been working from home, it's hard. It's hard to get up at a like seven o'clock and say, well, I'm going to make breakfast. I'm going to make, pack myself a lunch. Well, you don't have to pack a lunch because you're home. And then you look at the clock, you're like, oh my God, it's already three o'clock and I haven't had lunch yet. So I needed the structure. So I have a physical agenda. I write everything down. And then I realized I had no physical activity happening in my life. And whenever I'm not physically active, I'm not eating well and I'm not as productive. Mm -hmm. So that was a missing factor in my day-to-day routine. And so I started boxing, I started eating better, um, and I have way more energy because I know I am someone that needs a structure. And in that structure, I do things that add to my level of productivity. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same way. I feel like it's of me, but I'm not, not 100% sure. But wait, that's crazy. You won Fear Factor? <laughs> So there was celebrity fear factor. I was on, I partnered up with uh, Malfi, Danielle Malfi, Rachel and Brian were on, Corinne and her assistant at the time were on, um, Alexis and her sister. And I don't know if I'm forgetting anyone else. And we ended up beating Rachel and Brian by like 0.3 seconds. Wow. I'm honestly surprised Alexis didn't win though. Alexis. <laughs> I know Alexis. I don't know if it was Alexis. Yeah. Alexis and her sister did really well in the first round. And the second round we had uh, wax dripping on us in our bathing suits. And she got like third degree burns and had to get sent to the hospital. Yeah. Holy crap. Wow. The things that like go behind the scenes. (laughs) Hi guys. Me again real quick. So glad I left room for three spots this time when I'm incoherent. But anyways, I will make this one short, but I think it's necessary. So I'm not sure if you've checked out my website. Um, if you haven't, solaceofthecity.com. A, check it out because it's my website. And B, because it is just freaking beautiful. And it is a testament to what... Um, BE Digital can make. So I've not talked about them, but I should more. They are a small uh, locally owned company, which is what we should be supporting right now during the pandemic. And they really helped build this website from scratch. It's not using a Wix or um, a GoDaddy or a Squarespace or whatever those other ones are. They really just like built it from the bottom up and, um, through every step of the way, I asked my opinions. Like we've gotten like weekly calls, um, and just are amazing. And I literally plug them all the time. Like on whenever anyone asks me, you know, like oh, I had I'm trying to build this website. Like should should I do X, Y, or Z? I always give them um, the names of the couple I worked with because it, it the website's beautiful and. They also charge very reasonable prices. Like if you're on a tight budget like me, um, they'll be very flexible for that and understanding um, and still build something that's just so magical. So again, 
um, check out BE Digital. I can also, if you reach out and are interested, I can give you their um, first names, Instagram accounts, numbers. I'm just not sure to plug that for the uh, world to see. Anyways, I'm going to shut up now. So I always wrap up by asking a few questions from my favorite New York Times article. Um, So I'll start off with the first one, which is, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Definitely going on The Bachelor. How did it make you stronger? It, It broke me down to realize all the things that I needed to work on myself in order to become stronger. I love that. Next question is, do you believe everything happens for a reason? People are going to hate me for this answer, but yes, I do. <laughs> um, I, I do. I think like we were talking about earlier, manifesting what we want. And if you're really specific, like let's say you want to gain or lose weight, be specific about it. Um, and you make that happen. And I do believe that everything does happen for a reason. If I hadn't gone on the show, I wouldn't have met my now fiance. Like everything all lined up. Yep. No, or if all the guys didn't break my heart, I wouldn't have, I mean, I'm the worst at breakups and I really feel out the breakups. If they hadn't broken my heart, I wouldn't have gone on The Bachelor, which wouldn't have led me to, led me to my boyfriend. Exactly. And then... Beyonce. <laughs> oh yeah. Congrats, by the way. Pretty recent. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Um, this is going to sound so weird. But recently, I've started to tell myself, Vanessa, you're here, so just do it. So let's say there is work that you know that you need to do. Like I'm looking at my agenda right now, and it says to reply to a specific email. I see it, and instead of putting it off and say, I'll do it in an hour, which I know that hour means I'll do it tomorrow or next week, I saw that I need to do it. I'm here. I see it. Just do it. Cause that, um, especially right now, since COVID happened, a lot of us are working from home. So I went through a stage where I kind of gave up on life for two weeks. I was like, fuck it. I don't want to cook. I don't want to clean. I don't want to shower. And then I finally started to pick myself back up again. And that has been my new thing. I see it. I do it. If I see the garbage is full, instead of waiting for my fiance to take it out, well, I see it, just do it. I love that. That's actually something I'm going to incorporate now because I feel like it's, it gives me a, it's like holds you accountable for taking charge of your life. Really? You should spot be like a Nike sponsor. <laughs> like, like an alternative, like, okay, just, you can pitch it as kind of like a, a new niche. Uh, you know what? I'm going to message Nike after this. That's actually, yeah, it's a really good idea. They, I don't think they've like gone down that route. Be like COVID productivity. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> and next question is, what do you love most about yourself? Ooh, it's always so hard to talk about yourself. Um, my level of compassion for others. Um, I, I love... And it's so funny because when we talk about love languages, I'm someone that shows love by helping others, by um, acts of service. Me too. That's not how I receive love, though. I don't want to. Don't do shit for me. I can do it all myself. 
but I love doing things for other people. I love cooking for other people. I love, you know, driving by someone's house and like showing up unannounced and just saying hi and giving them a random hug. Like I love act, showing uh, kindness to other people. No, I'm the same way. I'm very much gives like acts of service, but I'm like, like, yeah, I don't like receiving that. Yeah, just don't. I'm good. I, I can I could do it all on my own. I'm good. And last question, which is the name of the podcast, is how do you find solace in the city? Um, that's a really good question. I think, I mean, I don't really ever leave my place. <laughs> Pre-COVID or just like being in a new city can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Um, it might sound weird, but my now I have two dogs, but my dog is my everything. I mean, uh, if I don't wake up in the morning without my 10 minute cuddle, I'll wake up specifically 10 minutes earlier before getting out of bed so that I can have my 10 minute cuddle with him. And that's my way of just being able to start my day. Um, Dogs are so animals are so therapeutic and calming and um, stimulating and all the good things. So it's, yeah, my that's my way of finding solace. (laughs) What kind of dogs do you have? Um, Chihuahuas. I've been dog sitting a lot recently, so I want. Come here, Gray. Is that your dog? No, just watching. Come here. Say hi. Say hi, Vanessa. (laughs) Oh, hold on, you. Oh, hi, puppy. So he like stayed over when I, because I've been just watching him for um, this amazing woman who lives near me, and he like slept over on my birthday. (laughs) I gotta wake up to him, so. I completely agree. It's like, they're just the best. And um, now we have another one. We just got a, a little puppy and he has such great energy. He's a cuddler too. I love cuddling because they're not big. So you can put them like on your, under your <laughs> neck and just cuddle with them. It's so sweet. Amazing. So Vanessa, thank you so much for recording with me and just being such an amazing like role model. I feel like, I mean, I love The Bachelor still. I will always watch it, but I... I definitely like think of you as one of like the woman who I watched and was like, she's a freaking badass. Like, like she's there for the right reasons. Like for, you know, Um, but where can everyone follow you? Like learn more about your nonprofit um, donate. If you are now accepting donations. Yes. We're always accepting donations. You can follow no better you at no better you on Instagram or www.nobetteryou.org to donate and to follow me personally. My Instagram handle is at Vanessa Grimaldi 30 because 30th is my birthday. Oh yeah. It's coming up. (laughs) Well, anyways, thank you again and bye everyone.